eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time. It's time. time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten-five victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Uh, your radio flagship home for the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by... Former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broadus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, and uh, you can also hear him as the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, uh, how was your Thanksgiving at, at an NFL stadium once again? I'm curious, how many how many Thanksgivings have you been home in the last 20 years? Oh, that's a great question because... I go all the way back, like we talked about, to 1972 when the Cowboys, uh, when I was, uh, my family was season ticket holders for 20 years until I went to go work with the Packers in 92. There was a two-year run where the Cowboys didn't host a Thanksgiving Day game. I, I went to, for like 18 years, I was going to Thanksgiving Day games as a, as a kid growing up, and then I turned around, um, I go to work with the Packers. We play in a Thanksgiving Day game uh, against the Cowboys. So yeah, it's uh, few and far between. It's weird, uh, you know. My media career, you know, with DallasCowboys.com and now with 105.3, you know, doing the pre and post game show. I'm still involved. So I, you know, I'm soon to be 59 years old, and I've been really doing this, uh, going to these games since like 1972. So, so do you just, do you, which have you always been a bigger fan of Thanksgiving on Wednesday or Thanksgiving on Friday? We're a Wednesday well, night family. Yeah, we Wednesday for sure. Wednesday night. It, it was really, really nice to, 
to get together. My son came in from Austin and, and uh, we all got together and yeah, hook them. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it's just good to, to do that. And then, you know, it was kind of nice because I got home after the game last night and I was really looking forward to the turkey sandwich. And it's funny oh, yes. in, in, in the Brad Cham radio booth at halftime, Brad had turkey and dressing and all that. Didn't eat any of that. He's also got sushi and the sushi in there is really, really, really good. So yeah, I, I, I didn't eat any Thanksgiving meal yesterday. Did it all on Wednesday, had sushi for lunch in Brad Sham radio booth, and then had a turkey sandwich when I got home last night. So uh, I'd say overall, after the way the Cowboys played and to gut that game out the way they did, uh, I think it was good all around for everybody. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the sushi. I personally yeah. won't touch it, but uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it was How good. was the food? How was the food at AT&T? You it was, it was bright very, and early. We, we had a great spread. Yeah, I was there. Uh, I got there at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, because uh, we, we got to be there early for Jane Slater's live shots at, at NFL you gotta be there. To, you got to be there to do media for Jane Slater's, what you're doing. Yeah, right. I'm her social media photographer. I got to uh-huh. be there to, to you know, uh, take those pictures of her where she's like, I'm going to pretend like I'm not looking. Just yeah. take a shot like it looks like. Uh, that I'm working. That I'm yeah. getting I'm getting Odell Beckham Jr. scoop. Right. Yeah, that right. Area, no, yeah. Actually, to, to be completely honest, she'll kill me if uh, she thinks I'm, I'm spreading these lies. Uh, no, I just take the photos while she's standing there. Oh. Working and try, I try and get the natural. Hey, so. don't don't worry about I Jane. Do. Don't I worry do. about Jane. She threw you under the bus on uh, Kurt Warner. At, at, a, at, a, at a dinner, at a That's dinner true. we were all at in Oxnard, she threw you under the bus. Yeah, so, That's yeah. true. She came at me for the sluggo route, which yeah. uh, still upsets me to this day. Hurricane, but, uh, Hurricane, <laughs> Hurricane Jane's got no love for anybody yeah. right now. Well, that's true. She's a, she's she's very me focused. That Jane Slater. <laughs> she is a yay for me chick for it, sure. <laughs> it's her and her dogs. That's all she. Uh, that's all she cares about. Uh, Brian, we had uh, quite a game on Thursday. This was uh, really... It was a good game. It really really was. a tale of two halves, though. That first half was absolutely brutal for the Cowboys. Um, Just a lot of self-inflicted mistakes, a lot of, uh, I think, questionable laundry on the field from uh, Scott Novak's crew. Uh, And I think that, you know, there was just... You were... You were allowing, I think, the Giants to physically control the game in the first half in a lot of ways. Um, and then in the second half, they come out and they clean things up. Um, and, and you know, basically, I was, I was sitting next to Zach Wolchuk, who does postgame show, and, and he was right. He said, nah, this is one of these games. He's like, they're just playing with their food. They're going to win by two touchdowns. This is what they do. And uh, he felt more confident in it than I did. And then, sure enough, they go out there and – and basically dominate in uh, into the second half. But but I guess leading off, what was your main takeaway from this 28-20 victory for the Cowboys on Thursday? Looked very much like a team that had played three games in 12 days. I, I This uh, felt like that maybe that we should have talked about this a little bit more, but that is a test of survival right there. And the fact that the Cowboys – could have been three and zero. They, you know, they they should have found a way to beat Green Bay. They had him down fourteen to nothing. I, I'm not trying to harp on something that happened in the past, but they really had a chance to win three games in twelve days. And you know, the probably the least likely of the wins would have been the Minnesota game. 
that would have been the one that you were like, well, you know, if they're going to go two and one, we're probably going to lose that Minnesota game. You know, Minnesota playing well. You know, Minnesota got a nice bounce back victory last night for them against New England. But the the thing that um, it's a matter of survival. These games, it it, it you know, I, I know myself. I picked the score of twenty eight to sixteen, and I'm kind of thinking the best chance that the Giants had to win this game was Saquon Barkley running for hundred and fifty yards, and maybe you know Daniel Jones running for another hundred. You know, somehow, some way, they get two hundred fifty yards rushing. Dallas doesn't get enough possessions. They protect a really struggling offensive line that was, uh, you know, that was decimated with injury coming into the game. Uh, you know, you got to give the Giants credit for the way they played. I mean, the first half, they had you on the ropes. And I mean, well, I say had you on the ropes. They were only up by seven. They were only up by seven. And with everything bad that had happened to Dallas in that game, I mean, basically had three turnovers. The turnover on downs and then the two interceptions. You know, I mean, that was that was that was some bad ball going on there right there for the Cowboys. And to only be down by seven points at half, I thought the Cowboys were so fortunate. And maybe if the Giants were at full strength, you know, they could have put some distance on you there, but you know, weren't able to do it. And you know, the Cowboys survive a a, a division game that they needed to have. They needed to have the game in the conference. Uh, you know, going forward for for playoff seeding. So, uh, you know, they got to be super happy that they got that one last night. Yeah, you know, you talk about that fourth down play. The opening drive was a a really interesting one uh, where, you know, the Cowboys get off the field. Um, a couple nice plays by the linebackers on that first drive. You had uh, Leighton Vander Esch getting off a block and then wrapping up Saquon Barkley on third down. Uh, before that, you had Damone Clark making a, a really athletic play to get to the sideline and and wrap up Saquon Barkley. And then the Cowboys get the ball back, and it's, all right, CeeDee Lamb, a 12-yard a uh, gain on the ground. CeeDee Lamb, an 8-yard uh, catch. And then uh, you think it looks like Dak has hit CeeDee down the field on that third play of the game. And uh, CeeDee ultimately is just not able to come up with it, uh, you know, isn't able to finish up the catch. Defender gets in there and, and kind of, uh, breaks it up. I believe that was Julian Love uh, who had done that. Or he maybe played Mark. well. Julian Love yeah. played well. He was yeah, around Julian the ball Love's, a lot. Yeah, he was very good. Uh, and then the next play, Dak misses Gallup over the deep middle, and then it's fourth and two, and they decide to go for it on their own forty. Which I am okay going for it on fourth down in certain scenarios. I was I was happy they did it. I believe it was Cincinnati on the first drive where they they went ahead and did it, and it's like, hey, that's that's that took some stones. That's a team that knows we're we're gonna need to do some things like this probably with Dak Prescott out in order to have success. Um, I don't feel like coming off a victory over the Vikings against a Giants team now at home that you I think a Giants team that's pretty overmatched. I, I didn't think that was the time to go for it on fourth down. And Man, yeah. and you run into a a a stacked look. Zeke isn't able to pick it up. Uh, I, I just I'd love to know what the thought process was on that fourth down play because that could have been a, a real momentum turn. Ultimately, Giants only get uh, three points out of that thanks to some penalties. Uh, but, but man, that was that could have been disastrous for the Cowboys. I tell you what, uh, you know when he went forward on those fourth downs early in the year, I was like, "Don't do this, don't." And then they get him, and you're like, "Okay." 
and you're thinking, well, they're having some success doing this. It's fourth and two, all right? And you had just basically got the Giants off the field. I mean, you 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 got them off the field. You you forced them on a you know fourth and three to have to punt. You make a really good tackle, Leighton Vanderish on the screen. Uh, you know, to to get it it's third and eight. They only pick up five. So you make them punt. And now you're like going, okay, well, I was a good defensive series for the Cowboys to start the game. And now you're going to give the ball to the Giants right there. And, you're, and the Giants are decimated at offensive line. They really don't have any skill at wide receiver. But all of a sudden you give them the ball right there. And, you know, to be honest with you, Bobby, Thank God that Scott Novak's crew called a really questionable illegal man downfield penalty. Oh yeah, I did. I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was illegally downfield. I don't think he. I don't think the guy was. Uh, I don't think the the guard was down all that downfield all that much myself. No. If that call goes against the Cowboys, I am raising hell about that. You know, but you look at that. Brian I mean, Gable sure did. Yeah, I mean, it literally. You get, you know, they get tw- on the first play, they get 23 yards. The next play, Armstrong gets a sack to take them back. So it's second and 17, and they throw a touchdown pass where you didn't even have it covered, wasn't even oh. close to being covered. And you get an illegal man downfield penalty on that. I mean, you are very, very fortunate if you're, uh, if you're, uh, Mike McCarthy. And after the decision that he made, I mean, I understand fourth and one with Zeke fourth and two, uh, maybe not, but I'll tell you what, the play wasn't blocked all that well. And again, I haven't had a chance to look at the all 22 yet, but that, that looked like to me that maybe some leakage coming off that right side of block went out instead of inside, or there was some confusion with the tight ends, the tackles, but man, just to, you know, just to let Jalen Smith run straight ahead. Maybe they didn't feel like they had to block Jalen Smith on the Jaylen play. Jalen Smith played well. Jalen Smith was he pretty did. good yesterday. He did. he did play well. But that's what I'm saying. He, you know, that that was a questionable go for it for a team. I mean, you encouraged them like, hey, you just got to stop. Gave them a little momentum. And what did they do? They scored. But the officials, I think, made a very, very questionable illegal man down. Like I say, if that was against the Cowboys, the fan base would have been raising hell. And I and I didn't check the giant fan base for that one, but they had to be just livid on that call. Cowboys get the ball back. They, they come away with it with only a field goal, uh, which would, the Cowboys will take instead of that 57-yard field goal, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a significant field goal from Graham Gano. Uh, Cowboys get the ball back and they're able to move the ball effectively downfield. And they're like, all right, okay, here we go. Cause it's, it's 15 for Zeke. Uh, there's a, a rare Zach Martin holding penalty, uh, right, right after that, um, that, that nullified a play, but on the plays that counted, you had 15 for Zeke, 13 to Jake Ferguson, another 10 for Zeke. Then Tony Pollard gets four and you're feeling really good about things. You're into giants territory already. And then comes that weird sequence where, Dak thinks he gets an offsides penalty, but he's not totally sure. And so he decides to to make a safer throw. Michael Gallup is going down the sideline. Dak thinks he's supposed to be coming back. Julian Love thinks he's supposed to be coming back because he went right there and 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 picked off that pass. Uh, then there was that weird 
thing where it goes to break, and during the entire break, you have both offenses on the field. Somehow Dallas thought they were going to get the ball back. Uh, I don't know what they they thought they were supposed to get there, but they were out there thinking they were going to get the ball back and ultimately finally leave the field. But it's one of those things where when you see it, like, man, is this is this going to be one of those days where they just they do they shoot themselves in the foot consistently? You have the fourth down issue, you have the the interception that should never have happened in my opinion. It, it's just a lot of confusion. And I know I came up to you during the the game and talked to you about this. Dak was checking a lot of stuff, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it, and and to the point that I, I know I mentioned to you where it's it, to the point where I wondered if there were just dummy calls in there because he was there. There was so much get up to the line with twenty five seconds left on the play clock, move a bunch of guys around for twenty seconds. It just it felt almost like a show. And he talked about that later in the post game. He said that. There's there were a lot of checks and a lot of calls and some of them were were they were genuinely trying to get stuff into place. Some of them were were just meant to be dummy calls to try and get the Giants to change some things up. And uh, that ultimately he thinks that played a part in some of their communication issues that he thinks that they had communication problems because they were probably trying to do too much in, on that front. Uh, but, but Brian, that was a, a, just a weird sequence of events. And those first two drives just had you feeling, I think like this is not going to go the Cowboys way today. Yeah, it, it wasn't good at all. You're absolutely right. I, I, I think Dak might be fibbing to you a little bit. I don't think he is, man. I, Cause I came up and told no, you, no, that no, no, I know. I know what you said. Like. I know what no, you I said. Know, but it looked like that, man. It looked, it I, looked like a show. No, I'll tell you what. I personally don't think it was dummy calls. You're talking about a defense that blitzes 48% of the time. And I think what happened in that game, the lack of practice time, it turned into Dak understanding the offense enough. Not enough. Dak knows the offense. It, It turned into a lot of check with me. And it turned into when you don't get to practice a whole lot, I think Dak was trying to get his team in the best protections possible against a team that immediately came blitzing off the bus. I, I, I just had a feeling everybody's like, ah, oh, well, no, it's slow death. You don't, you know, you don't want, if you're the Giants, you don't want to blitz because of the secondary. I'm like, no, no. I was, I, Babe Laufenberg and I were having this conversation. Babe, who does the radio for the, the Cowboys, yep. he and I were having a conversation in the pregame, and it's like, do you want the slow death if you're the Giants, or do you want the quick death? Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, is going to blitz. He is going to bring pressure. I, it didn't matter who he had playing. He was going to bring pressure. And so to me, Dak, I feel like he could say dummy calls, and I kind of like smile and chuckle. I think Dak was really trying to get his team in the best play possible without practicing a lot of these plays. I, I really, really do. I feel like that it's like, okay, I got to set protection here. I got to call this route here. I got to check to this here. You know, I, I think there was a lot of familiarity with what the guys were doing. And Dak was taking advantage of like, okay, I know we haven't really probably talked about this very much, but this is what we're going to try and do. He, he, he could sell it as dummies. But I feel like that he was trying to really help his team protect against a guy that was blitzing him a lot yesterday. 
Oh yeah, I, I I think most of it. I I think most of it was. My my thing is just like you, you have some of these checks where he's running around and he's pointing and he's moving guys around ultimately to still call a stretch run into an eight man box. Yeah, but that's what I'm like, saying. That feels like ah, uh, that feels like you were just kind okay. of hoping you would get them out of their luck. I I felt like yesterday when you look at some of the guys and how they played, mm-hmm. you know, and again we'll watch the all twenty two. But I kind of felt like that. What, what a great game for Tyler Smith yesterday. No, you know, oh, no. Tyler was, Tyler Smith was really really Zach bad. Zach Martin getting a holding call. I mean, you know, there was there was some kind of some shaky stuff going on, and I, I, I a lot of it is like I said earlier, it's a survival. It's surviving this game, and you know, it, it's like not when you don't get to practice a lot of these things. That's when even when they practice, they make mistakes. The, the passes that we've seen that have gone down the middle of the field, that the option routes, the read routes, the stuff like that, you know, they practice that and they still mess it up. I I have a feeling Dak was, yeah, sure, maybe some dummy calls, okay. But I think I think that was a game of him just trying to get them in the right play uh, without much practice. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian. So we we've covered over the the early mistakes. Cowboys ultimately do get a touchdown, but then there's another interception uh, to uh, intended for Ceedee Lamb that killed a, a a pretty long sustained drive. There, uh, Giants get the ball back. They're able to knock through an and they look uh, they they look in good shape. They come out and and play really well uh, to open the second half. How much do you think is that a function of of the how much do you think it's a function of that extended halftime like because halftimes a lot of times will get whenever you hear guys talk about halftime kellen moore i remember said you really have time to go to the bathroom and and come back in and go all right let's go get them boys like there's really not a ton of time and and so you do get an extended halftime on Thanksgiving with all the theatrics and performances. Jonas Brothers, they were great. Uh, wish I could have gotten down to the field, sn- uh, snuck a few photos, couldn't. Sure you uh, could. I, 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 well, I could have lost my credentials. Security at the stadium yeah. already hates me. I've had too many run-ins with them this season to, to try mm-hmm. it again. Uh, but the is, is there any benefit, you think, from an extended halftime that you might have some extended time to actually sit there and and talk about things, even if it's just for a couple minutes, or do you think that's an overrated factor? 
Well, it's clear you could break up in groups. You know, what happens is usually a coach, a quality control coach will go down early to the locker room and he'll put all the adjustments that they feel like they need to make on the board. And so as the players show up and they're going to the men's room and they're grabbing Gatorade and you hope that you don't lose a guy to have to go get an IV or something like that. But usually the quality control coach has got that all squared up. And then Kellen Moore will stand up there in front of the group and say, okay, this is what we need to do. I mean, you, you, you have these little individual meetings, you know, the start, and then you'll get together as a group and like say, okay, this is what they're doing to us. There might only be one or two things that you want to get kind of squared up. Like in that case with the Giants, guys, we're going to st- we're going to keep st- seeing the blitzes. And so what adjustment did you see the Cowboys do? They went with tight end and back in the backfield to try and help in the second half alleviate some of the pressure that the running backs were having to deal with on the blitzes. So they had an idea of what they wanted to do. And they probably were only get able to get two or three thoughts up on a board and then kind of go through those of just some really kind of quick adjustments to make. But it's, it, you know, it, it is right. It's a very, Kellen's right. It's a very quick halftime. And the extended halftime maybe allows you a little bit more conversation with offensive linemen, uh, with the running backs, so how they're going to handle blitzes. And because that was something that was very prevalent in that game very early that they were going to have to put pick up blitzes uh really all day long from week martindale and his in his defensive uh group just uh you know sort of stepping away from the context of this conversation because i'm i'm, I'm kind of curious you you were on a a super bowl winning team there uh in in green bay i remember vividly watching the first patriots super bowl against the rams uh in their their dynasty run their first super bowl win and I remember uh, Howie Long saying at halftime, making the point that, you know, the the extended halftime is can be a, a blessing and a curse during the Super Bowl because it, it's so much longer for players to have to sit than they're used to once they're right. in the flow of a game. And and that's something that you have to, to account for. But, you know, you also get a chance to, to change some things up. It can be an hour sometimes at the Super Bowl, like the halftime, in terms of just the how long you're sitting because it's such a big spectacle. Um, is that, uh, just out of my own football curiosity, is that a, a time where they not just, hey, quick, we got a little bit more time. Is that a time where they have a legitimate, like, 30 minutes potentially the coaches do to really go over some concepts and talk through some things, you think? Yeah, in the Super Bowl we played, Super Bowl 31, Jim McMahon bought pole boys for the quarterback room. So halftime adjustments became Favre, Peterson, and and uh, and guys you know, all sitting down and having a pole boy while they made adjustments in that game. And that was kind of a tradition – of Jim McMahon, wherever we played the old former Bears quarterback, he was with us in 96. It's kind of a funny little story. Wherever we went, I always wondered, I always saw Jim giving cash to the to the clubhouse attendant wherever we played. And I couldn't figure out why he was always giving guys cash. 
And then it, I realized when I went in the were locker you, room, were you, were you concerned it wasn't for legal things? I didn't know what it was for. I thought maybe, <laughs> I thought maybe it was. Be, sometimes these clubhouse guys uh, take care of a lot of things for you. They, the way they set up your equipment, they get you some extra things. Maybe you need uh, a special coffee or something like that. Clubhouse guys do a really good job of kind of taking care of the players. So Jim would always walk in and give these guys money. And I was like, okay. But then I learned that wherever we played, Jim was buying food for the quarterbacks. And, you know, when they were sitting down like Favre, like, you know, we're in, we're playing a game in Dallas. He's got like a barbecue sandwich. You know, we're playing games and, you know, you're playing games out on the coast or, you know, you're eating tacos or so. I mean, it was crazy. This, these guys would eat like during halftime. You know, they would like, they would get hungry and they'd eat at halftime. And that was Jim's way of kind of, that's what we always did. But while you're making adjustments, it was funny during the Super Bowl to see Brett and Doug Peterson and Jim all eating like a shrimp pole boys while they were up there talking about what we needed to do in the second half uh, against the Patriots. So that, that extra time allowed you, uh, allowed you to, eat your poor boy, digest it a little bit, and then go back out and play in the second half. I was just, I, I was curious how, uh, if that, if that facts factors in at all, when, when you're in that extended halftime Cowboys, though, they do come out with those halftime adjustments. Uh, if you want to call them that they have a big drive, 14 plays, 75 yards, seven and a half minutes out of halftime, a drive where, uh, you saw them face third down on, on four different occasions, uh, third and four, third and seven, third and twelve, third and fifteen, and and ultimately are able to convert one of those. They they were bailed out by a, an illegal contact penalty, um, but but ultimately able to extend that drive and score on well, the next two drives and and go on a twenty one to nothing run that puts them up twenty eight thirteen and really puts the game out of reach. Uh, but you know this is uh the, this feels like this Cowboys team a little bit that, that at times they may sleepwalk or shoot themselves in the foot and uh, you know, they'll, they'll wake up eventually. And, and that's the thing that teams got to hope for is that, you know, they, they've opponents, I think have to hope that the game is enough out of reach that waking up won't matter or, or that the Cowboys will sleepwalk at the right time and give them an opportunity to come back. But man, when the Cowboys are on, when they're, when they're clicking, when they're engaged, when when they're playing disciplined football, it, it can look really, really good. The best play of that first drive in the second half and the play I think that saved the game for the Cowboys was Dak Prescott's scramble on second and nine that he got six yards because that, that was going to be a sack. Dak ran out of a sack. and. Yeah. So it's first and 10 to start the drive. Zeke gets one yard. They're looking at second and nine. And Dak goes back to pass, and I swear he is going to get sacked. And somehow he emerges out of all those white jerseys, and he gains six yards. And then the next play, it's that play where he throws a really good block to get Zeke the 16 yards. It's that you know, the, the bounce play where it's the, uh, it's really hands it to him and they're close enough to where Zeke and Zeke talked about it post game that he was able, he said, Dak says, Hey, you know, when I hand you that ball, if you bounce it, I'm going to throw you a block. Well, he threw you a block. I I think that uh, uh, of all those plays that you mentioned, the third down clutch plays, 
the third and 15, the third and goal from the 15, man, you drive the ball that far and you just end up with a field goal. That is a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. Demoralized. Yeah. So, but that, I think the drive was saved. I think the drive was saved. Well, you had a defensive holding that saved it too. It was third and seven that they got Novak's crew called a defensive holding. But the drive was really saved, I think, because of Dak scrambling for six yards and then giving them an opportunity to convert on third down to kind of get it going. So, Brian, when we uh, look at this game, and obviously I know you haven't uh, seen the film yet, but when when we look at this game, just sort of a, a cursory first viewing, uh, who are some guys that you think stood out as as having really strong performances yesterday and guys that you think uh, may have struggled a little bit? I'll tell you right off the top, one guy that I, I thought looked good from the very opening drive and, and continued to make plays all day was Leighton Vanderesh. Yeah. Yeah, Leighton Vanderesh was good. I mean, and this is the kind of game – that Leighton Vanderish likes to play in. Uh, the Giants weren't successful running the ball. Um, they didn't, I, you know, they, I was surprised that they didn't try and run it more. They had a lot of confidence that Daniel Jones could make throws. I thought the Giants actually had a pretty good plan throwing the football. You know, oh, they, I mean, should, they, they beat Anthony Brown for one and they oh should have my beat gosh. for a second. Yeah. I mean, it, I thought they had a really good plan. All the movement, the waggles, the boots, the underneath stuff. You know, Daniel Jones, I mean, hell, that fourth and one, if he was off target, but man, if he hits Barkley on that play, that play might have gone for a lot more than just the one yard they needed on fourth and one. That was a game, kind of a changing play. But I felt like this is, when you mentioned Leighton Vanderish, this is the type of game that he could play in where it's like they're going to try and run the ball a little bit. There's going to be a little movement, and you got to kind of figure things out because he does a good job of kind of, of figuring those things out uh, and, and and making the play. You know, Dorrance Armstrong, I thought, played pretty well in this football game for what he was able to do. I was worried about those right defensive ends in this game, you know, the the not for the pressure, but how they're going to play the run. You know, so I, I really, really do like what Dorrance Armstrong was able to do. And I like what Diggs has, has been able to do, too. They just don't throw at Diggs. I mean, it's it. Yeah. he's gotten to the point where it's like, you know, there's there's opportunities to throw the ball at, at Anthony Brown, and, and teams are taking full advantage of that. But when Diggs has opportunities, I felt like he was a little bit more aggressive in that game yesterday, and uh, I, I was it was it was good to see that. On the offensive side of the ball, you know, you look at what was going on with the receivers. It was good to see Gallup get going early. C.D. Lamb with all the targets, I think, other than the interception that, you know, that was a – Holmes made a really good play on the on the ball. But how about what – you know, how about this was the week that that you had – actually, Tony Pollard had more carries than Zeke, but Zeke was the more productive runner. We, we've oh, seen I, that. I, I think yesterday you saw that the, the rest for the knee was good. Yeah. He looked a lot better yesterday. He looked a lot better. And, you know, and Pollard had 18 carries and Pollard played carries. more snaps, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, see, that's, if that's the plan, that I, I can't tell you the last time a Cowboy game went where they're both playing and Pollard had more, more, more rushes than what Elliott had. I don't I, know I, that it's ever happened. I don't, I don't know, know if it's, yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's ever happened, but it happened, uh, it happened for you on Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, when we look at some other guys who have played well, obviously you can't uh, talk about it without uh, failing to mention the the tight ends. Who, yeah. uh, Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz, uh, a lot of big plays there. Peyton Hendershot scored on the run, but, I mean, it was really – it's it's a pass. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. technically a run. Um, but these guys block. They catch. They, 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 they're athletic. You see Jake Ferguson hurdling. Uh, they, they've really uh, put together a, a really strong tight end room. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, give Jerry and Steven and Will and the scouts a lot of credit. Uh, they understood where they were potentially with uh, Dalton Schultz on yep. the franchise tag, and they went out and they did a great job of eva- – and, and, you know, Bobby, you and I did a lot of work on that, that draft last year, and it was a really good – tight end class overall and but I think there's a lot of guys around and gals around the league that evaluate these players that go what did we have on Ferguson why were we not high enough on Ferguson why did we draft uh you know Hendershot I mean why what what do we miss there there the Cowboys had a really really good understanding about the type of player they want and how that player fits these these young kids they block well at the point of attack uh yeah the fourth and two there might be a little bit of a question of assignments there i don't know if it was the tackle or the tight end but you know letting jalen smith run free is not a good idea uh but overall i think you have to be very very happy with the way these tight ends have played you're listening to the love of the star podcast the love of the stars and odyssey podcast you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts what up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite part of the show. It is our listener mailbag. This is where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners so that they can control the content and uh, ask us some questions. Before we do that, I need to say thank you once again to our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. You know, uh, college bowl season is just around the corner, uh, and then there are going to be a a lot of games that you're going to try and catch up on. You're going to be overwhelmed uh, with the options and Boomer Jacks is there for you with their wall-to-wall TVs. Their great drink specials starting at $3. They got $15 buckets of beer, ice cold beer, I might add. And on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, if, if you're a wing guy or gal, which I think we all are, uh, then you can head over to Boomer Jacks and find a great deal. Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday are half-price boneless wings. Uh, but really, they've got great deals for you every other day of the week as well. It's just if you're if you're really into those wings, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I promise you, are the days that you want to go. But it, it is a perfect atmosphere for whatever you're looking for there at Boomer Jacks. So find one of these 17 DFW locations by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, we got a couple questions here from our listeners on this uh, Thanksgiving show. First question here from John. What's the deal with them not activating James Washington? He said he was healthy enough to play. He is healthy enough to play. He could play probably right now without an issue. Uh, he's past his uh, 10-week window of, of the injury that occurred when we were out at Oxnard. It was first or second day of practice. Um, and uh, he, he he could go right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 
Ryan, and you've you've referenced this. This is probably in large part about finding out if they're going to get Odell Beckham or not. I believe so. I, and I, nobody has told me this, but my the way I look at this right now is they want to make sure that they keep Tolbert active. They want to keep him engaged. Tolbert's part of your future. James Washington isn't. And that's why they're able to hold James Washington, really. Will McClay, Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones, they like to protect themselves. If, in fact, Odell Beckham comes to the Dallas Cowboys, that will take a roster spot. They'll have to figure that out. And you know what? They don't want to have James Washington on the active list and then all of a sudden have to maybe make an adjustment, maybe take him off. But they want Tolbert to learn. You know, Tolbert did get some work yesterday. They want him as part of being active to understand what it takes to be a part of the wins. They want him to see that with a uniform on. And James Washington is, you know, he's not part of your future. Unfortunately, he got hurt very early in preseason, a, a serious injury. Yes, he's rehabbed. But if, in fact, they get Odell Beckham, I don't think you're going to see James Washington this year unless something happens. Now, if they don't get Odell Beckham, then they might have to make a determination. But they want Tolbert active all these games. He's the future. James Washington isn't. Which uh, Jerry Jones said post game last night. He talked to Odell Beckham. Uh, said that uh, it, it sounded like it was a phone conversation. But uh, they continue to put in work. Everybody uh, clearly still very excited uh, there at the Star about the prospects of of getting Odell Beckham and and a guy who, as long as that knee checks out, as long as the medicals okay, uh, could, could undoubtedly help this team a, a great deal. He's going to he's going to get paid, Bobby, on his knee. That's how, how that's how this is going to work. Everybody would love to have Odell Beckham for a two month run, but it's going to be: Can you assure that he will be back in twenty twenty three? That's the that's the question. A lot of teams, and you can't answer that question until doctors physically push and pull and look at that knee. Next question here uh, from Brandon. Uh, he says, McCarthy keeps talking about cleaning up the penalties for years now. How exactly do we Not clean them happen. up? New Not players happen. come in and commit the same undisciplined mistakes. I was about to say, I was listening on the drive home uh, to the the post-game show with Zach Wolchuk and Brian Broaddus. And uh, Brian, I know you said, this is just a team that's going to commit penalties. They're going to commit penalties. I, I mean, they could talk about it all they want. The, the penalties that bother you the most, though, are the pre-snap penalties. Lining up offsides, illegal motion, you know, false starts, you know, all those things. Those are the ones that kill you. You, you could deal with the holding penalties. You could deal with sometimes the roughing the passer penalty. You know, it, you, know you don't want it at key points in the game. I mean, I guess it always is a key point. But, you know, the defensive holdings, you, you, you know, you understand those happen. But how many, how many illegal procedure penalties or motion penalties did they have yesterday? You know? This team, you're going to get some crews. We've talked about Scott Novak's crew a bunch. They call penalties. You know it's going to happen, but don't encourage them to call penalties. You know, don't help them call the penalties. And this team talks about it all the time. They talk about, you know, they have they have officials that show up for practice. They have officials that show up during training camp. They have all these things. It's talk, 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 talk. They're not going to get this thing done. This team is going to continue to be penalized. Uh, because, and again, I'm not just throwing in the towel, but you know, what do you it's do? It's a reality. It's a reality. It, it's, it's a reality. Yeah. There's some teams that turn the ball over a lot. 
There's some teams that run the ball really well. You're a team that struggles with penalties. You have, you know, and, and you could tell McCarthy was not happy about it uh, in the post-game press conference. You know, he should have been like, hey, great win and all that. But he, you could clearly hear in his voice that he was disappointed by the the by the uh, uh, by the penalties, and you know he could he could talk about it all he wants until you actually now you could also get players that don't commit penalties. You know you commit that they they they're disciplined players, and maybe now when you're looking at you know guys in the future, you're like, hey, this guy gets a lot, but. They drafted a kid that was one of the most penalized players in the country last year, right. Tyler Smith. You know, so are they really looking at penalties? No, they're looking at talent, and they're thinking, ah, penalties will be fine. But don't 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 think this will change anytime soon, guys. Really, it's uh, it's interesting too. Yesterday, you had uh, two false start penalties on receivers, and I think it was Michael Irvin I heard say this once, where he's like, a receiver should never get a false start. He's like. Yeah. It's like you keep. He said you look down the line of scrimmage and watch the ball get snapped. He's <laughs> like, that's false start with the receivers. False start with the tight end. I think they. I think they got. Uh, I think they got Biotish for a false start as the center. I mean, he's sloppy. I mean, just. I mean, how many? It's what four penalties right there? Five penalties? Yeah, thirteen, uh, you know. 13 on the game. They finished with thirteen penalties uh, in this one. So uh, I'm sorry, this is not going to change. This is just not going to change. Next question uh, from Dean Julia, one of our loyal listeners. Uh, is Anthony Brown going to be a huge liability once we get to the playoffs? Teams are clearly going after him. I I, I don't know what to do about Anthony Brown. Um, because I, there's he's, been he's, time. He's, it's not getting better. Well, I get accused of defending Anthony Brown, but I will say this. Malik Hooker, when that ball goes in the air, you've got to get your ass over there. You see what's happening on the outside. Hooker, so, Hooker has struggled lately. Hooker has struggled really bad. Hooker doesn't like he's moving worth a damn to me right now. I don't see any quickness at all to his game. I see a lot of throw the body in there and not wrap up. You know, I thought he was going to kind of play better, but I, I, you know, I have yet to see that. I have yet to see that true free safety that we thought Malik Hooker was going to be. And everybody's saying, oh, he's, the Achilles, it's two years removed and all that. Okay, fine. Great. I was expecting you to play a lot better. But I'm not defending Anthony Brown. You're you're listening to a guy right now that thought Anthony Brown was going to play very well. And, guys, he hasn't. He's There's been times where he has been good. I will give him that. But for the most part, teams have figured out how to throw the ball over the top of him. And he hasn't been aggressive. And he hasn't knocked down as many balls as I thought he would. He's not playing great. I'm not trying to protect him. But when I tweeted that out yesterday, I watched Malik Hooker not react quickly enough to get over there. As a free safety, you've got to read what's going on and react. And, yeah, it was Anthony Brown that, you know, you got to find the football. But, by gosh, Malik Hooker, play with a little range. Final question here uh, from our uh, good buddy G from Jersey. Uh, I actually went and had uh, pizza with uh, G when I was uh, in town for the Giants game. There you September. go. He took me to Benny Tudino's in, in Jersey, which was fantastic if you ever get a chance to go there. Uh, G wants to know, what worries you guys more down the stretch? Penalties, McCarthy slash more decision-making, or secondary play? I think penalties are going to be penalties. Uh, the secondary overall has not been bad. I mean, Anthony Brown has his moments. Malik Hooker has his moments, like we talked about. 
Um, but overall, they're they're statistically their pass defense has been pretty strong all year. Yeah. Uh, the the bigger wild card is what kind of a, a consistent game plan are you going to get from the offensive side? I think so. Out of those three, I, I'd maybe be most uncertain of the game plan that they can drop on offense consistently. Well, yeah, the consistency of the offense to to get off to the good starts and stuff. But uh, you know, of the three you gave, I mean, I I really wanted to believe the thing with Mike McCarthy. I man, I I am. It's not I'm crusty and old, and I'm thinking of old ways. The analytics is taken over clearly. The way that these coaches go for it on fourth down without any regard. I mean, I think Dan Campbell yesterday in his game went for it like what three or four times, you know, on his side of the thirty a couple times. I mean, you know, it to me, I don't know if it's reckless. I don't know if it's the right way. Uh, when it works, you're like, man, that's pretty damn ballsy for them to do that and make it, you know, and. Initially, I was. I was like, oh, "This, I don't like this. And then they make it, and you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm completely wrong about this analytics. I I, I wouldn't have gone for it on 4-2 yesterday. I just wouldn't. The Giants, to me, don't give them any hope. You know, if you're playing a team that's clearly better than you, don't give them any hope or any minimum. You got lucky that uh, they had a legal downfield penalty. A really questionable call. So, uh, my decision making, people say, "Oh, you're being too critical." Mike McCarthy deserves consideration for Coach of the Year. I'll say that right now; he absolutely deserves consideration for Coach of the Year. But you know, I, I, I really do wonder about some of those decisions: when to go on fourth and when not to go on fourth. He's proved me more uh, more right than wrong, so we'll see. That does it for us here today on the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, We appreciate you guys uh, so much for listening. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you guys again later.